When you start a new project, typically you need things like a domain name, hosting, things like that. When I choose hosting, I pick mine for the options it gives. I like to know what I'm getting and set things up just how I like them. This is why for your projects, you should check out Linode. Linode servers feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabyte network, and Intel E5 processors. That's all the power you need to run VMs under full control or Docker containers, who doesn't love that? Encrypted disks and VPNs. Plus, they have 10 data centers across the world and add-ons like backups, node balancer, and Longview to help you control your server costs. They also offer block storage for your static files, and you can get started with a $20 credit if you use the code JavaScriptJabber2018. That credit is good for four months on their one gigabyte server. That's a lot of time to try them out and see if they're the right fit for you. That code again is JavaScriptJabber2018. Also, if you're interested in working for Linode, they're hiring. Head to linode.com slash careers to see their available positions. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week, we're talking to... Oh, I forgot to ask how to say your name. Let me let me try and slaughter it, and then you can tell me how you say it. Great. Uh, Tomek Sulkowski. Great. It's all... Uh, usually, you just mispronounce the, the all. It's Sulkowski. Sulkowski. Okay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but otherwise, great. Yeah, I'm always like, I'm talking to this cool person, and then I'm like, and I have no idea how to say their name. <laughs> so anyway, uh, do you want to just give a brief introduction? Who you are, yeah. what you do? Sure. Hello, everybody. So uh, currently I'm working as a front-end engineer in a company named Enplug uh, from LA, uh, where we create these uh, apps for uh, small Android devices that you can connect to a display to show your content in an attractive way, you know, like Yelp reviews on your hotel or some uh, posts from social networks related to, to some events. And also for several years now, I've been working with a Sages training company, running a lot of front-end workshops, mainly Angular-focused. And so usually for some bigger European enterprises, but for example, last week I was doing a training for developers working in a Polish prison system. <laughs> so that was something mm -hmm. else. Yeah, so interesting uh, Angular stuff. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, so we found an article by you. Yeah, I was looking to at, at the whole history of bringing you on. And uh, you wrote an article, which was kind of interesting. And we'll talk about this. And then maybe we can talk about just uh, UX in general um, for Angular. And your article was basically talking about not disabling the submit button and, and how that improves UX. And you have all these examples in your, your application about how if you put something in that has an error, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, I'm not completely sure that I 100% followed it, but because um, <laughs> I skimmed yeah. it more than read it. But yeah, do you want to just give us kind of an outline of what you're talking about here and why this is a better experience for people? Uh, sure. So like the idea is simple, really. And we had this in, uh, like, say, traditional web applications for years now. Uh, it's that when you have a form, and usually it's a, the bigger form, the bigger it is a problem for, for users. So when you have a form and it's partly submitted, some fields are, for example, uh, required, but the user hasn't got to it and, and didn't um, fill them. So... And the submit button is is disabled, and that's very easy in Angular app applications. But the user actually doesn't know why why this button is disabled, right? So mm -hmm. because he hadn't 
he hasn't go, gone from all the fields, so he hasn't triggered, you know, touched or dirty states, and the validations error didn't appear. So in older applications, let's say non-single-page non, uh, uh, applications, it was usually always enabled because we barely were using JavaScript and it was we were sending the form and the backend was uh, showing us all, uh, all the errors, right? And so my idea here is to just use a simple directive and by uh, showing you how to, how to write this directive, I also wanted to hint to several uh, parts of Angular that are not so obvious. Uh -huh. And with that directive, you basically leave the button enabled. And once you click it, it triggers all, all the touched uh, states. Uh, and right. therefore, it, it displays all the errors. And if the form is actually valid, it will just uh, submit it as if it, it, it would with, you know, normal click event. Yeah, now, now that I've, you've kind of explained it, this makes sense to me. I think the example that I run into is I'll be working on a field and it's not the disabled button that really bothers me so much as it is um, I'll, I'll be filling in a form and I'll tap the tab button one extra time and then it highlights that field and says, hey, you've got to fill this in or hey, the input's not valid. And I'm like, why are you yelling at me? I just tapped the button an extra time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, just so stuff like that, you know, where it's kind of an interrupt on my process of just filling in all the info. And I really like the idea of, okay, click submit and then fill everything in. Okay, this is all filled in. It's all changed. And hey, this one, not valid. So I'm going to put, I'm, I'm going to notify you then because that's when you're looking for the feedback. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so that's, I try to uh, show developers that, you know, to, to, to think about how the user will, will use it and to be uh -huh. you know, polite to a user. So uh, um, what you said, like, don't scream at the user uh, with no good reason, right? So show him the errors where, where when he is about to do something stupid, like, like or when he will get himself into more trouble. <laughs> uh, but, but otherwise, don't, don't do it, right? Yep, absolutely. Well, the thing is, is I've always used the disable submit button for when you actually submit a form, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of debounce the input in case they click it twice so it doesn't send the same request mm -hmm. twice. And I think that's where my disconnect was, is I was like, but you have to. And then, <laughs> oh, oh, no, you're talking about something completely different. So Yeah. Yeah, if, uh, in one of our apps, we were doing this approach. Well, we we wanted to show it as a disabled, but we also wanted to show the user why it is disabled. So when he hovers the button, it will show him like some some pop up message. Mm -hmm. But it's actually impossible to do it with a disabled button because you know there are no on disabled items there are no uh, mouse right. events. Yeah, so we are actually showing a different button with uh, with styled as a disabled, but with no you know click event. Um, on it, right? So it was only for for showing this uh, this um, this tooltip. So yeah, that's that's a, a, a different approach. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So are there other things that people do that hurt their user experience? Because this seems like a relatively easy fix. I mean, it's not, oh, just use this directive or use this mm-hmm. um, co- this uh, component and you're, you're solved, right? Or, but, but you give us a pattern. And if you look through the examples, there are a handful of lines of code, really, that you're mm-hmm. adding to your app. So are there others that are kind of at that level of easy that make your UI that much easier to use for your users? I'm not sure about this uh, th- this simple examples, uh, but um, I was also recently looking into, uh, for example, animations, and uh-huh. you know, as for the you know the whole uh, material design and so on, it, it popularized the, the animations as something that we need to have to improve the uh, user experience and. In Angular, for example, it's fairly easy to to add animations f- uh, for, for example, routing, and it was always bugging me with the, those online examples where you have animations going through mm, different when you, when you have animations attached to routes, and when you go through different pages, the animation is always going in one one direction, right? It's usually mm-hmm. like left to right or right to left, but it's yep. always the direction. But it doesn't make much sense if you, if you have, for example, like a horizontal menu and you have one item after another. So if you go through, uh, click uh, from third item to fourth, it's it makes sense that it goes from, to, uh, from li- uh, left to right. But if you go from the fourth back to third, it should go the opposite direction, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's uh, another thing that is so simple in Angular to, to do uh, this one direction animation that usually developers don't think about it. But it's not that super hard to implement something that works uh, in both directions. And it's uh, there's I've actually wrote an, another article just on, on that one about uh, router animations. And I actually uh, named it uh, the tricky bits because it's it's not that simple. Uh, you you basically need to know one thing is that when you have, for example, uh, when you route from one path to the the same path with the just changed parameters, right? When you have like mm-hmm. users slash one two three users slash one two four, it's the same route. So Angular doesn't create a new component for it. So the on enter and on, or, or leave animations won't, won't work. So to overcome that, you actually have to turn that off and, uh, and apply a, re- a router reuse strategy and then it will work. So that's a bit, yeah, that's, that's the tricky part actually. But wow. other than that, it, it works really, really well, and you you can look at the at the um, the record screen recording that I put on the uh, on the post, and it looks nice. Speaking about animations, for example, one thing that makes uh, makes uh, experience better is just to you know uh, add these small animations that you can uh, use this third party CSS uh, libraries and just add or remove classes mm. without implementing, you know, this this uh, uh, Angular uh, DSL 
uh, animations and just have you know this funny little this you know like uh, bubbly animations appearing so it's also pretty simple to use just you know install library add and remove class and there you there you have a uh, better experience <laughs> yeah i think sometimes we overcomplicate some of this stuff right where um, you know, it's, oh, well, I need to put the animation in my CSS, in my component, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know what? We used to do this by <laughs> adding a class in jQuery. And sometimes it's just easier to do that, right? It's just, it's simpler. We know what's going on. And that makes a lot of sense. Mm, yeah. And I, I, I want to show all the, 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 the simple solutions because mm, sometimes, yeah, the developers like, zero in on those specific things that they saw, saw in like documentation somewhere and try to yeah and try to to over overthink it and after a while they can get really discouraged with the tool and you know entirely with the like even framework and so on so yeah for example in, in my trainings I, I i try to show them the possibilities but also show the easy easiest solutions for, for specific problems so they can, you know, if something is easy, you want to do it more. And then if you go to something, have some more complex problem, you have so much, you know, uh, velocity <laughs> from the easiest things that you have, you know, some more energy to, to overcome the, the, the more complex problem. <laughs> awesome. So when you do your training, uh, what 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 is the approach you take when you're talking to people about UI? I mean that that's been kind of the focus so far in what we've talked about. So so do you give people like rules of thumb, or do you generally give them approaches like this? Or yeah, so first of all, yeah, if you think about the user, that's that's the general the general uh, rule, and try to figure out the <laughs> the laziest way to implement something for a user then you can of course uh, refactor it and so on mm -hmm. but um so i'm go going to it from the, these two approaches the one way is uh, the one way is just the user one and the other one is is more technical one so like basics really basics for mm -hmm. example a lot of developers doesn't they don't know um, HTML that well, even if they work with it, uh, even if they are front-end developers. So like this disabled thing that we keep coming <laughs> back to. So for example, I've seen a lot of um, applications where developers try to add disabled on uh, A element or you no know, link mm -hmm. element. And even if it, that visually works, it doesn't. Uh, it it will still register the, the the event, right? Because disabled can be added only on form elements. So, um, yeah. And the other one is that, for example, when user uh, when developer um, sees that the button uh, button element inside of inside of the form always triggers the submit mm -hmm. when you have. Like uh, um, enter when you when you press enter inside of the form, uh, the button submits. Uh, and when you have several buttons, 
the first button will will be submitted will be activated right so they instead usually they 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 uh, implement it as an a link element so yeah just use button type button <laughs> like this simple things right which doesn't submit or input type well i always on every training and i've done like 50 of them uh, i always ask what is the best input element for search input and for search input yeah and <laughs> yeah so what is the the, the best element i, like, I mean oh, i feel like this is a trick question you know i want to say oh it's your generic text field but yeah but input type search is there a type search yeah and it's it's been there for a long time really so yeah no no i i haven't heard this answer once <laughs> so don't feel bad about it but yeah basics really no i and, feel bad about it no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no yeah but it's it's so simple and it's also you know perfectly safe because you know fall back to text anyway so but mm -hmm. it, it gives you like this cool small uh, improvement that uh, escape uh, clears the the input when you oh, press nice. the escape so like for filtering and so on. And it also gives you this small um, widget, this this small X uh, symbol on the right. So you can press uh -huh. it and it clears it. But yeah, it's, it's simple stuff really. And yeah, and that's forms are my like <laughs> go-to things to, to, to rumble about, but, but yeah. And so for example, the, again, the rule of thumb about uh, buttons. So basically, everything that you click on your application should be either a link or a button with oh, okay. very small exceptions. And people don't realize that you can put a lot of things inside of buttons. And it already already makes this uh, interface more, much more usable, right? Because you can you can tab into it, you can you can activate it from a keyboard and so on. And it's also better for users with disabilities. So on that count, I mean, let's get into the nitty gritty, right? Um, mm. There is a submit input type. So don't use that yeah. then. Well, I, I don't think there is a much of a difference right now. A difference right now. Um, I think you can use them in... Uh, yeah, button, is, button type submit, I think is, is... Oh, is that legal too? Yeah. And I, I guess if I remember correctly, uh, the best way to check is, is to uh, check it against uh, screen readers. And I think they both, oh, they yeah. both did it properly. Okay. Yeah, so there is, there is this tool, uh, let me see, called uh, WAVE, uh -huh. W-A-V-E, uh, that will show you... Uh, all the things, or maybe not all the things, but a lot of things about uh, accessibility. Uh, so the things like how the screen reader will uh, will treat your buttons, uh, uh -huh. text elements, and so on. So you can easily just add this. This is a plugin for Chrome, and just turn it on and see what it shows about your form or your app in general. Sounds good. <laughs> so when you're building forms, do you usually just use a component that puts form elements on the page? Or do you use some of the form libraries that are out there that um, 
that people have built. I'm thinking like, uh, what is it? Formly? Formly, yeah. Uh, I haven't uh, worked with that, but but that's probably because I'm not working with uh, bigger like enterprise grade software. Uh, uh-huh. I'm mostly working with a software where there are limited number of quite small forms, but it's that you you have to really you know tinker the experience because it's mostly for um, like. A, Small, a smaller user base and mm-hmm. yeah we need to make it make it behave uh, really uh, really well and we need to have full control over it so right and often uh, in most cases i actually use uh, template based forms maybe i'm a bit old school <laughs> because right now like reactive forms uh, seems to be preferred they are also like much more flexible but for most cases, you know, template-driven forms are just good enough. Now, what do you mean by template-driven forms? I mean, I mean like, uh, you know, uh, ng-model and instead of reactive okay. form, just using uh, an ng-model. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, but like in Angular 1, for example, we, we only had this solution, right? Uh, ng-model-based, and uh-huh. we could already do basically everything some parts were more complex than others but it was it was fairly sufficient solution so if i'm not doing anything really really weird and reactive by nature i'm not mm-hmm. uh, not using the reactive forms gotcha need to create a complex enterprise angular application angular bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications we target angular 6 and the recent versions with much of the curriculum is suitable back to angular 2 or go beyond the three-day class with a consultation or project launch with oasis digital the team behind angular bootcamp we can assist your team or launch your project with advanced Angular topics, including scalability, data flow, state management, full stack product design, and more. Contact us for a private class at your location or buy a ticket for public classes in various cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. So are there any other tips that you have for forms and UX and UI that you just are kind of your favorites? Not only for forms, but I was looking uh, recently at how to if, even building this directive for for this disabled button or not disabled button. I was looking at the uh, way to uh, to pass the form to the directive itself, and my previous approaches were were always to just you know create an input for. Um, like an Angular input for an element or directive and pass the, the form reference to, to it. But uh-huh. you can instead actually uh, inject it. And yeah, I, I didn't know it for a long time. And uh, actually one, uh, I think, useful thing to know is uh, I, I, I don't know if many people use uh, Augury uh, yeah. like on daily okay. basis. Usually you just see it. Oh, it's cool! But uh, otherwise, you just use you know like uh, good old uh, sources tab and and debug it in in traditional way. But actually, uh, Augury uh, shows you instance providers that are available in your uh, in your um, components tree. So 
that's where you can uh, see what is available to inject in, inside of your components. So instead of, for example, passing this form as an input for in, into component and directive, you can just uh, take it from a, uh, from an instance provider and you know inject it into a con uh, constructor. Oh, that sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. I'll have to dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, there's also like in most general like on maybe not a lot, not a lot of uh, you know Angular developers design their um, their apps, but sometimes we just have like only a general mockups and actually do this animations and figure out how the animations work themselves. So. Mm -hmm. I would recommend you to 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 just look into s and um, read some of the medium posts by the UX uh, designers. Uh, that's uh, yeah, they are very um, inspiring. And even if you don't find it useful useful to implement it in your own app, you can just try to use it as a training exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, to you know, just implement this or that cool animations. So yeah, I was actually doing that recent recently, and I found out some uh, interesting uh, ways of of animating uh, things based on on a specific uh, article. Let me actually check this one. Yeah, there is this uh, article creating usability with motion, the UX in motion manifesto. <laughs> and the guy there is, is showing uh, a lot of really cool and, and really like uh, well collected um, examples of, of animations. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've had a few people talk to me about this. I think Lucas Ruvelke's done a few talks about it, who is a panelist mm -hmm. on the show. And yeah, the, you know, a lot of folks have talked about, hey, it's not just cool stuff you can put on your page, but it actually draws the eye where you need it and helps people recognize that something happened. And yeah, there are a lot of payoffs for that. Yeah, and but it also even even the fact that it looks cool, it makes your like animation just yeah. more pleasant to to use. Just don't overdo it, of course. <laughs> Because uh, like several times I, we've been adding animations to, to our project and and one one uh, one additional uh, tip is don't make it too slow <laughs> because right. yeah when you when you design it or implement it you just uh, you are looking into it in in you know fine details and yeah. but your users can can use it you know multiple times a day and it will just seems sluggish and so for example in one application we we had this uh, the, a lot of animations and at one point we just uh make them made them faster like three times faster mm -hmm. and our product owner just asked us what we did we do to the to the uh, performance because like the whole app was super speedy but it was all, also always speedy uh, this was just the animations that were just too slow mm. so yeah that's that's the small but but uh, i think important part but other than that yeah uh, they just even just make them make them fun um there is also this one cool uh, idea that relates to forms and to animations um 
where you have like a, um, a login form mm-hmm. and you put some mascot over it and it tracks uh, with with his eyes or his head movement. It tracks what you type in your email or your login input. But when you go to a password, it just covers his eyes or something. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's like, it's not super like important, right. but it's like, it makes users smile. So it yep. makes application probably a bit more successful. Yeah, that makes sense. And some people will like it and some people won't. And I think that's part of the reason why folks avoid sometimes some of these um, options. But the reality is, is that if that... uh, I've been doing a bunch of business coaching with uh, a friend of mine. And he's he's really big on the um, mission, vision, values kind of thing, part of the business. And so, and and all of those kind of speak to the core of who you are as a person or as a company. And so, yeah. if that's if that's what your company's about, you know, you love the fun, the whimsy, the goofy, whatever you want to put in there, put it in. Yeah, put it in because you know, yeah, you're not going to attract you know all the general public people, but there are going to be people who love those kinds of features that stay with you because your personality your culture as a business matches up with them. And yeah, there's a lot of power behind that. There's a lot of mileage you can get from that. So yeah, don't discount things like that. I think a lot of people are kind of rolling their eyes and going, yeah, I I don't think I'd want to do that. And, uh, you know, I just want to make the case, maybe you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the most important part, uh, like rule of thumb is just don't stand in the way of of the user. So don't make the, like the, the, those stuff just... Uh, the user tasks harder, right? Uh, but other than that, yeah, look into how you want your your app to to appear and make it more attractive. Cool. Well, anything else that we should dive into before we do picks? No, I think I think we can we can leave at that. Really, awesome. Uh, yeah, my 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 general like summary would be just to uh, see. Uh, what the UX and the designers are um, are figuring out, and even even if not doing it in your like super uh, business solution, just try to do it as a side project. It will also uh, give you like uh, some better understanding of the of uh, what what is available or what is possible in in browser and different like parts of, of Angular itself. And one, one last thing is, uh, yeah, don't zero in on, on specific one solution, uh, one way of doing animations. Yeah. So for example, in currently I'm working on like very complex, uh, well, the application itself is simple, but the, animations there is is very very complex and actually our angular animations were not enough for me mm-hmm. so you have a bit where well, much more uh, what much better flexibility i've implemented all the animations with uh, rxjs and web animations api and what is surprising it's it's not that much harder than the angular dsl 
So I, I would say that it's, it's pretty comparable. So yeah, I would encourage you to also look into that. Awesome. Now, if people want to go read more of what you've written, um, I'll, I'll put a link to your uh, Medium in here. But uh, do you also post to Twitter, or post up to GitHub or anywhere else? Uh, yeah, I try to be uh, active, but also to the point on Twitter. So I'm uh, S-U-L-C-O on Twitter right. and Tomsu on, on Medium. Yeah, so uh, I'm try, I, I try to stay on point, as I said, on Angular mainly stuff, but also some, you know, like small tidbits, uh, some small useful tidbits for general front-end audience. <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Since I'm the only panelist today, I guess mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and do some picks. Uh, the first pick that I have is Mattermost. Uh, Mattermost is a chat system. It's very comparable to Slack. Um, I use it for my production team for the podcasts and a few other things. And um, I actually have a Slack channel for Adventures in Angular. So um, I'm trying to get that uh, link published. Um, I'll make sure it goes into the show notes. In fact, I'll just paste it in right now. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to join and just chat and have conversations um, to have you in there. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll copy and paste that in and we'll make sure that people can get to it. But yeah, um, I'm hoping to have some conversations there. We also have the devchat.tv forum and that's based on discourse, which I also really enjoy. So I'm going to pick those. And then I just found the Brave browser. And if you're not familiar with it, Brave is a browser that's put together by um, Brendan Ike and a bunch of other folks. Um, that worked at Mozilla, basically. And uh, the way that it works is... Um, well, there are a couple of things. Um, one is is that it has... I'm trying to remember all the features that it has. But it it's really freaking fast. And um, it, it has pretty fine-grained privacy settings, which I also really like. Um, but the other thing that's interesting to me is that you can actually use it to donate to the website you visit. So it'll look at your browsing history and it'll say, you spent 70% of your time on Facebook and 20% of your time on devchat.tv. And then you can say, well, Facebook sells the ads to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe Facebook doesn't need my money. And so you take them out of the running and then it says, okay, well, 60% of the rest of your time was spent on devchat.tv. 
And then you've got 20% on, you know, on somebody's blog or somebody's website or something like that, or Angular.io. And you're like, you know what? I am going to donate to these. And so you can actually donate. Um, they call them uh, Brave uh, or Basic Attention Tokens. And yeah, you can just go support those, um, those different uh, providers with that kind of thing. It works for YouTube channels. So if you're going to... Um, like if you go to the devchat.tv YouTube channel, the money doesn't go to YouTube, it goes to me. Um, so anyway, if you have, if you spend a lot of time looking at YouTube or on various websites and you're thinking, you know what, I'd like to give 10 bucks a month and split it up based on how much I use these different websites, then it's definitely something that's worth checking out. And I, I think it's an interesting way of, uh, democratizing some of the, you know, some of the value that people put out on the internet for free. Um, I mean, Tomek has put up a bunch of blog posts, you know, that are that are valuable, and so it'd be nice to see them uh, work into Medium, right? So that you could say, "Oh, I read his, you know, his Medium post, and you know, let's send him some money." And so, yeah, I think I think projects like this are really helpful, and open source uh, um, support. Um, it, it, you know, we we have some continuity problems there sometimes, and so, you know, let, let's get out there and support people. Anyway, those are my picks. Um, what are your picks? Um, so several books, maybe one. The most uh, important for me recently was "So Good They Can't Ignore You" by Cole Newport. Mm -hmm. It starts. It starts very interestingly. That find your passion is a bad advice, and that. Actually, that's not how you should plan your or go into your adult, you know, professional life. So instead, you should have this craftsman's mindset and the passion usually follows. So they interviewed like a lot of uh, professionals and uh, in this um, study by Yale University, and they concluded that if usually the longer the professional was working in his, his field, he had the more like calling mindset, let's say, mm -hmm. because you have more, you know, impact, more control, more places to, for creativity. And that actually gives you most satisfaction. And, and that's where the passion, passion comes from. So that's a really great book. And the second, I just want to plus one yeah. that because I enjoyed the book too. Yeah, uh, the second pick is uh, books I've read. This is a page actually uh, by uh, Derek Sivers. He's the guy who created the CD Baby project some time ago. He made a lot of money on on selling that later, but he's reading a lot of interesting books and. Uh, making a shorter and longer summary, uh, mostly for himself, but you can also read it uh, and just decide if you want to, if you're interested in some books. Uh, he also rates them. So I usually go through, when, I, when I'm when i looking for a book, I'm go, going through his list and, you know, from 10, uh, yeah, from the, the top uh, rated books. Uh, yeah, so very good uh, resource and reach. And the third uh, one, third pick would be uh, the Man from Earth uh, movie. 
Uh, and I'm picking it because it's fairly good, but it's very... I actually haven't seen a person or met a person who have seen it yet, other than mm-hmm. the ones that uh, I'm I'm showing it them to so it's it's a very interesting movie and uh, like if you if you are fed up with you know those a lot of like avengers ensemble big movies it's something very opposite is if you're like in the mindset of like sitting in front of a fireplace and just listening to a story it's something like this and it also has a pretty interesting uh, premise. I don't want to spoil it, but it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, and the last last pick would be something more technical. Nest framework. Do you know it? Uh, sounds familiar. It, it's it's basically like Angular for the backend. It's uh, oh, okay. created by by Camille uh, Mishlivietz, and there's like it's. TypeScript base, there are, you know, like a lot of decorators, like controller, module, all the things that you see in, in Angular. It's, it's almost like at the first sight, you, 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 you might uh, confuse it with Angular. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. It, and it's already at, uh, on, on version 5, so it seems to be developed very uh, dynamically. And uh, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Very good. This looks cool. We'll put, I'm going to put it on my list for JavaScript Jabber. Sure. Yeah, it's also like if you were if you use uh, something like uh, Spring in Java, it's also quite similar to it. Right. All right, cool. Well, thank you for coming and talking to us. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, keep writing these awesome articles because I think it really helps people kind of visualize what they can or should be doing with, with Angular. And I see you've got a bunch of stuff on like CLI and Angular Elements. And anyway, a lot, lots of stuff that people from this show will be interested in. So, yeah, yeah, I want to show, you know, how, what things are available and they are, that they are usually more easy than you would, you would suppose. Cool. Well, thanks again for coming. We're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up, but we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.